Today's reading comes from Matthew 9, verses 1 to 8. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to men. Well, thank you for reading, and very nicely back uh, with you for this third week in Matthew. I don't know if you've come across the novel um, The Kite Runner. It was a popular novel a while ago, um, and then turned into a film. It starts, the first page starts with these words. I became what I am today at the age of 12. I remember the moment, peeking into the alley near the frozen creek. That was a long time ago. But it's wrong what they say about the past about how you can bury it because the past claws its way out. And the book then talks about uh, what he did or or actually on that day what he didn't do and failed to do and should have done and the guilt and shame which flowed from that and how he then tries in the rest of his life to deal with that guilt but fails. The past claws its way out. We've all got things we're ashamed of from the past. We can try and deny them. We can try and justify them. We can try and make up for them. But the conclusion often is the past claws its way out. No matter how you try and bury it. Well today we're going to be looking at the true and permanent answer to guilt and shame. We're going to start with how important this is. I want to talk for a moment about the absolute priority of forgiveness. The absolute priority of forgiveness. Let's start at verse 1 in our reading. Jesus stepped into a boat and crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralysed man lying on a mat. Now up until this moment in Matthew's Gospel, uh, Jesus has been healing people of everything and anything. So if you've got a friend who's paralysed, it's pretty obvious what you do. You you pick him up on his mat and you take him to Jesus to be healed. Only verse 2, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. It's not hard to imagine the, the, the friends thinking... Hearing him say that and thinking, what? We didn't bring him here for that. 
You can imagine the um, disciples of Jesus a bit embarrassed. <coughs> legs. Jesus, look at his legs. But of course, it's no mistake by Jesus. What we're seeing here, rather, is a different set of priorities. In Jesus' mind, forgiveness takes priority over healing. And that's not to do this man's situation down. Um, Jesus would be well aware of how terrible his condition was. No welfare state, a constant burden on his family, the emotional and mental turmoil. But as he lies in front of Jesus, Jesus looks at him and sees beyond the obvious need to something he thinks is more important. Forgiveness. Now why is that? Well again, in this section of Matthew, we've been seeing Jesus deal with the problems of our broken world. He's uh, he's dealt with sickness and natural disaster and demons. And in doing that, he's been showing us a picture of his future kingdom, we've said. We've talked talked about it as a, a show world of the future. How he one day he'll return and put everything right in his world. And he could do that here with a paralytic. Again, give a picture of overcoming illness and sickness. But it's as though Jesus thinks, we've done enough demonstration of the future now. It's time to move on from the symptoms of this broken world to the heart of the problem in this world. When my, uh, when my sister was a student, um, she rented a house uh, which was a bit rough. And uh, one wall of her room, the, the paint was cracked and peeling and, and a right mess. She told the landlord. The landlord had a simple problem, a simple solution to the problem. Repaint the wall. And sure enough, the wall looked fine for a while. And then the paint started peeling again. Imagine my sister gets round a builder and surveyor and he examines the house and says, oh, well, what you need is a plumber. A plumber? What about the wall? Exactly, he says. There's a leaking pipe behind that wall, causing damp, causing the paint to peel. And if you don't fix that, you're going to have a far bigger problem than peeling paint. The whole wall's going to come down. Well, we face lots of problems in this world, disease, natural disaster, but they're actually symptoms of a greater problem. And Jesus here comes to the heart of it. And as he sees a paralysed man, he says, let's go to the heart of the issue, and that is the problem of your sin. Now, let me be clear what I mean by sin. Um, I said at the start we all have things we're ashamed of. Often those things are how we treat other people maybe ourselves. And that is part of our sin. But the heart of sin is how we've treated God. How we naturally ignore him, reject him, take his place. Something we're all guilty of. And that's the heart of the problem in our world. Directly or often indirectly, sin is what destroys life here. And more than that, sin will ultimately destroy us. Leave the uh, uh, leaking pipe and eventually the wall will come down. Well, eventually sin will bring us down. Left to ourselves, we will face God. 
faces judgment, his right punishment for how we have rejected him. Now having said that, I hope we can start to see why Jesus thinks forgiveness, the solution to sin, is the absolute priority we face. Imagine somebody on death row. They live in a tiny prison cell. The food is awful. They're bored most of the day. There's nothing to do. Imagine you ask them, what would you like? What do you dream of? What would they say? A bigger cell would be nice. Tastier food. Widescreen TV with satellite. Or how about a pardon? Forgiveness, freedom. We suffer the effects of sin in our world today. Disease, disaster, death. But they're like the prison cell. And as we grasp our situation, it becomes obvious. Nothing could matter more than pardon, forgiveness, freedom. Well, I say it's obvious, but it's a big thing to believe. Say the terrible phone call comes and a relative has got a brain tumour. What do we want for them, most of all? Healing or forgiveness? Think of problems around the world, the war in Syria, the threat of terrorism, poverty, earthquakes, hurricanes. Or at a personal level, problems in relationships, bereavement, health, loneliness, depression, family tensions. We could go on and on with the problems we face. And Jesus here is saying, not that they don't matter, not that they aren't important, but underneath them there is something with a higher priority. Forgiveness of our sin. Now having said that, let's go on to the person with the authority to forgive. Verse 2. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. They hear Jesus claiming to forgive sin, and in their minds that is something only God can do. And they're right. Imagine for a moment, um, Claire here um, got into a rage with you for some reason. I can't imagine this happening. Claire seems a very nice person to me. Um, But for some reason, you've really, really uh, sent a berserk. And she gets a hammer and she smashes your laptop. As I said, this hasn't happened. You don't need to go and check. But let's say it did. And I walk into your office, and there you are, staring at your smashed laptop. And there's Claire with a hammer. And I turn to her, and I say, It's all right, Claire. I forgive you. How are you feeling? Well, you'd be outraged, wouldn't you? How how can I forgive her what she's done to you? 
Only the offended party can forgive. And sin is fundamentally a rejection of God. It's fundamentally against him. So only God can forgive. But here's Jesus forgiving. So he's either blasphemy, he's either a man acting as though he's God, but he's not. Or he isn't just a man. He's God. Those are the two alternatives you're faced with, I think. Um, I say that because often people suggest Jesus is a nice man with some nice ideas, but this stuff about him being God is going a bit too far. But an incident, incident like this rules that option out. He doesn't say, I'm a prophet, come to teach you about forgiveness. He doesn't say, let me share my insight into how God forgives you. He says, I forgive you. He talks like he's God. So I'm afraid we can't say he's an impressive guy with some good ideas. Some of those ideas include the idea he's God. So he's either a blasphemer and can be rejected as a hoax or he's not just a man. He's God. And so has the authority and when I say the authority I mean the the, the right, the ability to give us what we really need that top priority forgiveness of our sin. But the question remains, of course, how can we be sure it's true? So lastly, we get the assuring proof of forgiveness. Verse 4. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Go get up, take your mat and go home. And then the man got up and went home. Now you see Jesus' purpose here. Verse 6, I want you to know that the Son of Man, him, has authority to forgive sins. He wants us to know, he wants to prove to us he can do it. So he says, verse 5, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or take it up and walk? Which is easier? Well, I think the answer is both are impossible. Both are things only God can do. But forgiveness is a hidden thing that you can't see, and healing is a visible thing you can see. And so Jesus says, in order for you to know that I can do an impossible hidden thing, I'll do an impossible visible thing. I'll heal, so you know I can forgive. In fact, remember that um, illness and sin are connected in a general way, not a direct causal way, but in a general way, illness is a symptom of sin. So Jesus says, I'll prove I can sort out sin by sorting out some of the symptoms. It's a bit like the um, leaking pipe. The plumber says, I've sorted the leak out to my sister. She thinks in her head, yes, but all plumbers are cowboys. How can I trust you? And then he says, I know you can't see them in the pipe, but look, 
the wall isn't damp. The symptoms going prove he sorted the problem. And that's what Jesus is doing here. Now, let me be clear. Jesus offers us forgiveness today. That doesn't mean he's going to solve all the symptoms of sin, illness and sickness and problems. He will one day, he's giving a picture of it at the moment, one day he will solve it. But he does it here to show, to prove he really can forgive sin. That's his aim. He wants us to know he has authority to forgive. Now let's think about ourselves as we finish. It might be you're sceptical about Jesus. You're asking, I thought he was just a man. Is he, is he God? Can he forgive? Well, here he's offering some proof. A public witnessed, authenticated miracle. Proving he has authority, he has the right, he has the ability to forgive sins. Many of us will be more convinced about Jesus, but we can have our our doubts, maybe about our own forgiveness. Sometimes sin and guilt feels very big, and you can know about the idea of forgiveness in your head, but doubt whether it's real for you. Well, look at Jesus here, demonstrating, proving he has authority on earth to forgive. Doesn't matter how big your sin is. Doesn't matter how ashamed you feel. If we come to Jesus, he says to us, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. We can imagine him saying that to us personally. Take heart, Pete, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, Ruth. Take heart. Put your name in. Take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Are you sure, Jesus? Can, can that be true? Oh, yes, look at this man walk. Here is proof I am God on earth. The one with the authority to meet your greatest need and priority. The forgiveness of your sins. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his authority. We thank you that he can bring us our greatest need. We pray you would show us, show him to us, and help us trust him for our forgiveness. Amen.